Africa Climate Conversations. The podcast. Hello, happy new year. I hope your year started as beautifully as mine did. I'm telling you we have been having this beautiful weather not seen before in January. Welcome back. This is the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mugwe. Picture this. It's a lovely evening. You and your loved one are seated somewhere, enjoying some juice or beer from a glass made out of liquor bottles collected from a dumping site. How does that sound? Now, today, please come with me to the Anyora Camp, situated right next to Kenya's iconic Maasai Mara on the Olalaimotia Gate side. I will tell you how Merinjoki is collecting glasses from the neighboring town, repurposing them and selling them back to the local market. But first, let's talk about the source of these waste glass materials. The sounds of the Maasai young men celebrating tourist arrival at the Ololopil village. Tourists generate a huge portion of the revenues generated for the survival of this village, which has been here for the last eight years. Samson Manchao, a 45-year-old village chief, tells me the village name Ololopil means fresh. This is because of the fresh air emanating from the beautiful savanna landscape and the hills surrounding this village. However, the nearby town of Olalemotir presents a stark contrast as it is littered with glass, plastic, paper and household waste at every corner you navigate. The villagers who live here are predominantly livestock keepers and depend on livestock for survival. They designate Tuesday as a market day. People come from as far as neighboring Tanzania and Kenya's Rift Valley towns, such as Bomet, Narok, and Naivasha, to sell not only foodstuff like maize, rice, and sugar, but also clothes, school books, and livestock. How important is this market to the villagers? Here is Manchao. The center is good because they can bring things like maize flour, potatoes, and uh, rice, then they sell to the masses. Uh, you know, we are not doing cropping, so we don't farm because we are very close to the park. Uh, we have many wild animals like the elephants. They come out at night. We have the zebras and uh, buffaloes. They eat crops when you go up here. We tried once, yes, but uh, it's like you're bringing problems close to you. Because whenever you grow something, it's like you're calling other animals come close to you. Now, Manchao tells me that within the last 30 years, the town has grown from about three shops to over a hundred now, foiled by tourism demands. When you look around at any given time, you will spot a safari car passing by the rugged streets, bringing in guests, checking in at the nearby camps or at the garage. The growth came about as demand for housing and services rose, resulting from tourism. Masai Mara offers a wide range of accommodation, from luxurious safari lodges, tented camps to private houses. While many are high-end, the town serves some of the frequent travelers to the Masai Mara such as the tour guides offering low-priced accommodation. To meet this demand, Manjao says they have seen nightclubs rise from just three to over 20 and bring with them liquor bottles. 
Due to the lack of proper disposal methods, the bottles pose a significant risk to the health of children, livestock, and many of the men leaving the nightclubs at night. What are some of the repercussions the villagers held and their livestock? Manjao again. There's a uh, minibus, around 20 bus, <laughs> or more than that, I think. And um, they don't have a proper way of recycling. This is a, a central business because there's some lodges there, there's some camps there uh, where the tourists visit and most people like the drivers or uh, tour guides who bring them at night they can enjoy themselves there. But uh, also it's getting more bigger and uh, it brings a lot of trash, I rubbish I mean. So you find outside there, there is a lot of trash, the bottles and some bottles broke. Many people don't have even shoes. They step on the bottles, they have bad injuries, people get tetanus out of it. So me, myself, my son had a very big wound of the bottle. My mother sent her to the center. I think he was playing when he's coming. And then he had a very cut from the bottle. I had to take him to the dispensary for treatment. It cost me some money, about 3,000 shillings. So that is the thing that is very bad with the growing of town because things are not managed well. I don't say the town is bad, but how people are managing the plastic bags and the bottles. You know the animals, when they lack a little of salt, they always collect plastic bags and they eat in Salo and it's not very good for the cows. Many times you slaughter an animal. Every cow you slaughter here and you find the plus. Now Africa generates about 125 million tons of municipal solid waste which is expected to double by 2025 according to the UN Environment Africa Waste Management Outlook. Out of this waste, 4% consists of glasses and 13% is plastic, with more than 90% of this waste disposed of at uncontrolled dump site and landfills. Despite the fact that an estimated 70-80% to 80 of the municipal solid waste generated in Africa is recyclable, only 4% is currently recycled. This is despite the African Union's vision that Africa's cities will recycle at least 50% of the waste they generate by 2023. Now, for the last three months, Njoki, a 28-year-old, has been spending her day collecting liquor bottles scattered on open shallow grounds at the center. From there, she sorts the glasses according to color, shape, and size. She then machine cuts the bottle depending on the customer size preferences, removes the stickers, and polishes the glass. After all this work is done, she sandblasts the glasses and adds the client's desired logo, which she would have designed. But what inspired Njoki? You know, most of the kids, they love playing around, right? Yeah, and sometimes you may see other kids walking around with no shoe. And other kids just go, because it's not a pit, you go and dump the glass inside. It's just somewhere, they're just thrown there. So it's easy to access. So you may walk and find a kid playing with it. Some kid may get injured. Yeah, like a couple of some months back, I saw some kids playing with the glasses. Some were just taking it and try to break it. So that can jump to kids' eyes, can cut their hands or injure their arms, right? Their legs, right? So we thought, uh, what can we do to make the center a little bit better? So basically what inspired us is um, the fact that uh, we wanted to make it a little bit better or clean and uh, safe for the kids. And uh, we want to be environmental friendly. So we do this uh, to be nice or kind to Mother Nature because we still need it. So we're trying to make it uh, a little bit better, not perfect, but better. Customers too are free to collect their own glasses. 
which jockey designs according to their own taste. For example, the clubs, individuals, or camps name can be inscribed on the glasses. Additionally, customers can choose to include a desired logo or an animal print on the side of the glass for a personalized touch. However, her clientele base goes beyond Ololaimotia town to other nearby towns within Naro County and Nairobi County. Our market is uh, everyone, but mostly the clubs and uh, hotels and also the villagers. So we wanted to introduce to them uh, something new, something that will interest them. Uh, also, we wanted to introduce this to the villagers so that they may not use the plastic because, you know, sometimes they use that uh, recycled plastic and they throw it uh, around. So we introduced this so that you can also get rid of the plastic cups. For what people use mostly are four kinds. Um, we have the quarter, half, whiskey and beer. And we also have the illegular and we have the colored. I meet Wanjiro Daniel, one of Joki's first clients. What's her thought on the glasses? Whatever, Whatever I request is what she produces. And so, it is obvious that when she delivers, I'll always be satisfied, as that is what I preferred as compared to other glasses where you as a client had no choice over the design. The quality is great. Compared to other glasses, they are very durable. I haven't broken any since they purchased and as you know, glasses can be very fragile. And to anyone out there, these glasses are beautiful and they are appealing to the eye when you serve your guests. The Anyora Club gifts clients visiting with one glass inscribed with their desired design and name for free, which would otherwise be sold for 100 Kenya shillings. Joki Works Alone so in a day, she can cut and polish up to 100 glasses using a locally made multi-purpose machine. But the finishing part takes a little bit of time. Hence, Joki says out of the 100 glasses, Joki says she polishes 40 glasses a day. The finishing part includes designing the name and logo, as well as sticking these names and logos on the glass through sandblasting. However, the cutting and polishing stage requires a lot of water. Why? Uh, so the reason why we use a lot of water it's because water is important so that it will help the glass not to break into pieces. Because you know the glass is copper, right? So we use the water to help it cool. For safety, Joki says the job is safe. But she's required to wear gloves, boots, and a dust coat and sunglasses to safeguard her eyes while sunblasting. But what challenges has Joki faced in her effort? The market is available because people, they love it. They're fascinated by it. You know, when you give someone a glass with their name and whatever they want, they're like, wow, I love it. Can I have one? But the main challenge is uh, pricing because we used to have president for every bottle, right? So for the a quarter, we used to sell it for 100, uh, the half, 150, whiskey and beer, 200. But people will start complaining, saying it's uh, expensive, uh, we buy this bottle at 60 bob. Other challenge, um, some will ask you for free, you know, because they're like, oh, give me this and then maybe next time I'll buy it. <laughs> or someone will come and tell you. Let me cut for myself because, you know, as much as we want to make it uh, environmentally friendly, we also want to get something from it because it's also a hassle, you know. So if everyone come and tell you that they want to cut it for themselves for free, what will I gain from there? Now, Manjao says often empty bottles from other alcoholic beverages such as Tasker, Kenya's main beer, are shipped back by the manufacturers when they make new supplies, leaving behind hard liquor bottles not collected by the suppliers. While 
He commends Anyora Camp recycling effort. He calls on liquor companies supplying hard liquor to do the same while calling on other camps to try to reduce bottles emanating from their establishments. We see it's a very good way because it's the only camp collecting rubbish and build a camp. But uh, the other camps are not doing it. If, if you can have like three or five camps doing that, then we'll see like it will be managed well. But it's very little for one, only one camp in this town. This town is bigger and they produce every day, but mostly during also the market day. So it is not enough. The other thing people have been saying is like, of Brewer's company to do a good recycling. Like whenever they come and sell the amount of bottles you sell, then you take the empty back. So every small bar to collect all the bottles and put together. If they are buying it every Tuesday or every Monday, then they have to shift away back the other empty bottles. Like how they do with the beer, the normal beer, like Tasca, Guinness, others, they do recycle. But they should also do the as Fonjoki, she hopes to involve local communities more, though she admits it's been hard. But she hopes that someday, Olalemutia town will be a glass-free town. My hope for the future is that one day when I walk to the center or when I just take a walk there, I'll see no bottles scattering around. And uh, also for the community, especially the young gener generation, because uh, we learn things when we are young. So for the young generation to take interest in this, not that stop school or something, but take interest in, with this so that when they grow up, they'll be able to take over. Yeah, and also the other people, not just the uh, kids or something, everyone, let's just all of us come together so that we can help because it's, it's all our community. So when we come together, we'll make it much better. But have you, what's your effort in terms of what you've done in terms of uh, trying to make them learn and what are the difficulties you found in that? Uh -huh. So my effort is I've tried calling uh, some of them because uh, I usually go out there, find someone and I'm like, oh, but the there's something new in Anyora camp. Might come seeing or come trying it. Yeah, so they will come. Most of them, they, they are interested in it, but they don't take it much serious. They rather do something else. Yeah, so I just hope one day they will embrace it. Also the language barrier. <laughs> so you try to, I don't speak Maasai well, or I don't speak Maasai at all. So when I try to communicate to them, we don't understand each other very well. And since we don't have an interpreter, so it's kind of hard to communicate with each other. And that's all we had for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you are implementing a project with local communities out there within Sub-Saharan Africa and would love to tell the world about it, please feel free to contact us using info at africaclimateconversations.com or just DM us, Africa Climate Conversations, on our social media pages. Also remember that the podcast is available on all podcast channels, including our YouTube channel, Africa Climate Conversations. I will see you soon, but in the meantime, please remember to share this podcast with a friend and help us reach more also do follow us on x instagram and facebook pages africa climate conversations and also feel free to follow me sophie mbogwa on linkedin asante sana my name is sophie mbogwa africa climate conversations the podcast